me when I listen to that. They may become a concerto when they're put together. Has it got an allegro first movement, a slow second movement, and a rondo third movement? No. Get it right, boys. Paul Zimmerman, good to see Morning. you. Morning. What a start. Yeah, Paul's... Uh, Steve's off doing his thing elsewhere. He's taking a couple of weeks off, actually. So it's a pleasure to welcome today uh, Potfilland District Councillor and the founder of Design Hong Kong, and also consummate broadcaster, Paul Zimmerman. <laughs> what, you're referring to my Beckshet uh, participation? Yeah, uh, that time, two, three... Anyway, it's, it's great to see Competitor, isn't it? <laughs> it's great to see you. Don't say that. It's great to see you back uh, in Hong Kong. You've been off on your travels doing... I mean, Paul's big thing is conservation amongst others, and that involves a bit of diving as well, isn't it? Yeah, I just got back from uh, Palau with my uh, eldest son, which was really cool. It was like a one-on-one with one of your sons. He's 20 now, so there's the two of us for a whole Does week. Does he out-dive you? Uh, oh, he's a much better diver. The guy's a rock climber now, and he's he's he's, he's fit, so he's, he's he's very good. But it's cool to hang out with your twenty-year-old son for a whole week together, and especially because he's studying this in the UK, so you don't see him all the time. Oh, that's so lovely. That's just the way it should week. be. I mean, Paul works very hard when he's here. Actually, a lot a lot of it unpaid, I'm sure, because it's advocacy stuff, really, isn't it? Well, the only thing that, that it gets paid for is the district council work. The uh, the di- designing Hong Kong is a freebie. I mean, you just yeah. spend put your time in it, and, and you try to get money from people to uh, have some staff and pay for your rent. But uh, there is uh, there's no no income out of that. I want to talk about some of those issues in a minute. Um, there isn't an awful lot we can say about this anti-Occupy Hong Kong stuff that hasn't been said. Certainly online, there's publications like EJ Insight, of course, Apple, mm. um, etc. It's, it's endless. You have been away throughout all of this. I just wonder if you've got any opinions you'd like to share in general about the whole thing, because I think that the notion seems to be at the moment, you guys don't approve of this, and yet you're doing it yourself oh, the yeah no they're, they're marching to central to occupy central to be anti-occupy central this is a bit it funny doesn't make much sense but the whole thing is it's 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 awkward in the way that that occupy central has been the best thing that could ever happen to hong kong if and it I, hasn't happened I, yet as no, i keep no, saying it hasn't finds. even happened yet but i mean if you're you know you're you're running the police or you're running the, you're with the military i mean you the occupy central you've got to be grateful they've they've shown you you now know exactly who are, who's who, you know their names and phone numbers, you know who the radicals are, you've actually done a rehearsal with them, um, where in the world would that happen? I mean, if, if things like this happen, you know, like a dispute over a serious issue in Thing. society, where yeah. are we going to go with the future, whatever, the 1970s, 60s, 70s in Europe or in the States, I mean, buildings are put on, you know, are, uh, are burned down, uh, people are killed, I mean, big riots, the police is taken by surprise, they've got to reorganize and react to the situations after they find out what they're into. Here, they had a one and a half year preparation. Yeah. The police is totally prepared. The PLA has moved in lots of equipment, has moved up their, uh, their, their, uh, their personnel around Hong Kong, they restationed their equipment. Everything is ready. I mean, so well, where, wor- where in the world? And, you know, thank you, Anti-Occupy Central, for helping us. It's a good workout, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and therefore, I don't think it's neg- negative at all. I mean, it's just very unfortunate, and, and it's great work by the uh, United Front and, and the, uh, the, you know, the Beijing Liaison Office and all the guys that are involved in focusing on the one aspect that they could go for you. You know, it's in, it's in fact illegal to go and sit on the road and try to get arrested. <laughs> Across the board, many would say this is just totally daft. Uh, but you turn on the news, Paul, and we're seeing dreadful, dreadful things happening in more and more cities. Now, Hong Kong might be like Toy Town right now, but wouldn't you rather be here? Oh, of course. I think Hong Kong is the best city to live in, and it's safe, and it's a great city. And also, I think it's a, it has a great future. But you've you got to remember that, I mean, you were here in 97, handover took place, and the 97 handover was a big party. It rained. It was a fantastic party for a whole week. It was, it was. a party. And, and 
but that was because everybody uh, was warned in 1982 that it was going to be handover in 97. Anybody who has worried about was had worries about it. They got their visas to Canada and Australia. They were organized. The ones that decided not to because they weren't worried, and then when the ones that couldn't get a visa, well, they had accepted the fact. So by the time the handover took place, it was all kind of a great party. But for the kids now. Uh, you know, when CY came into power, that was really kind of the start of the the, the Beijing bureaucrats, Let the me, national bureaucrats taking over the yeah. uh, Hong Kong administration. Pause button for a second. Hmm. You say say when CY took over. Now, was this a thing that was bound to happen at this period of time? So it could have been him or Mickey Mouse or somebody else. It just happened to be him. I wonder what you think. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's you know, it's not a person. It's not a personal thing yeah. necessarily. It's 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 a, it's a time and place, and it's a, it's the you know, of course, when Tung Chua was in, and and in two thousand three, the things when when balls up. Um, Beijing realized they couldn't leave it alone. They, you know, the whole attitude they had in '97 was hands off. Everything was, you know, two systems, and then there was one country, and there was not, and they were not going to touch it. And in 2003, they realized it was not going to work. Um, but Donald Trump, they realized that, you know, leaving it to the local administrators was not, not going to work necessarily either. But at least they had themselves prepared for them taking over, and that's the. So we're now in the second takeover, yeah. the second handover, and the, and. That's two generations later. So all the kids that are experiencing this, they had no chance to get a visa for another country. Um, they don't. They grew up in families where there was stress about SARS, stress about economic issues, stress about income. So these kids have a very different perception uh, of the world, and um, and they are fa- and they only see things that they could lose. They have every possible freedom in the world in Hong Kong they could have right now. And they only see the potential of a loss of those freedoms when they look across the border. So these kids have a very different attitude to the current handover, which is kind of ending when the political reform debate starts to end for 2017. Let's look at maybe an upside to the situation you're Mm. describing. If it wasn't for that situation, we wouldn't have things like scholarism. We wouldn't have students that weren't scared to stand up and be counted. I think it's it's, it's, sure. And I, I tell everybody all the time you know it's like it feels uncomfortable the current debate mm. it's edgy it is dramatic it is, there is a lot of fire in it but it's the first time that hong kong really debates as a community as a whole from every chatan tang where the television is on yeah. to every location even i was invited to some private kind of a, a little discussion among some some people on the south side they put a little table together and they they invite all kind of friends and even they are they're sitting out there discussing at the hong kong country club or whatever they're discussing whatever is happening with the politics it's new that's for good. hong kong that's and good. to me that is just really really healthy out of the, all of that all of these difficult discussions and the tensions and it's and feeling uncomfortable yeah. will come good solutions but it's will take a little while let's just see what you think about sort of hong kong inc is it feasible to say that there's an impasse here with beijing there were lots of impasses here with beijing hong kong is what it is it will not change it's been created over the past 150 years now nearly 160 years now um so it's one of those things that they can bash their heads against this brick wall to change the spirit of hong kong people as much as you want to but it will not happen because hong kong just is is that fair or is that... Is that well, I think it's not entirely fair because you're now part of China as a whole where previously... Legally. You were, yeah, <laughs> legally, but also you were in a lot of ways standing apart. But, of course, some of those that standing apart are still there. Your legal system, your tax system, your uh, free in, in and out of goods and services, all of that is, is remained. So you remain at Antropo uh, function is, is, is going to stay there for Hong Kong. And all the anxiety that is there right now about Hong Kong, I've seen that in Rotterdam when I grew up. Rotterdam was the 
biggest harbor, and by the 60s, 70s, everybody in Hong Kong was so worried, in Rotterdam was so worried about Antwerp being growing faster than Rotterdam and uh, Felixstowe growing faster than Rotterdam, and they're all in a panic for years. And now, you know, 2014, Rotterdam is still out there as, as the, the big boy in, in Europe. But and Hong Kong will have the same thing here in China. You know, Shanghai is going to grow. Shenzhen is going to grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's going to grow. And they may grow at a faster clip because they're going to pick up. But, at, you know, Hong Kong is going to share all of that growth too. Well, this is an interesting one. It's a slightly different situation because we're talking Holland. You know, they may have been, they may have been sort of factionalization amongst people from all over Holland. But at the end of the day, they just rolled up a fat one and decided that everybody was allowed to stay and we'd all be friends <laughs> <laughs> okay well you can visit holland but there are some downsides to holland i can explain yeah i mean the, the 400 th- kilometers of traffic jam every morning oh, gosh, yes you know the kids it's, it's a it's a country with 18 million people you got 400 kilometers of traffic jam every morning and every afternoon if you're not out there before by three o'clock out of your office you're stuck in traffic you or bring, you're you bring up a very eight. good point actually that when you live in a bubble, which essentially this is, it's very easy to think there isn't a world outside of this bubble. You know, Hong Kong people's problems. Mm. Well, it's world people's problems. Stuff you're talking about. You know, day-to-day stuff. You're talking about traffic jams. You're talking about hating politicians. Mm. It's not just unique. To- no, no, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, but also, you can see all the videos now, all the stuff that's happening all around the world. I mean, this is true. Do you want to live in the States right now, Missouri? I mean, come no, on. <laughs> You know, Hong Kong is a fantastic place. I mean, where in the world? My, you know, my kids grew, grew up here, are growing up here. Um, where would you just not be worried when they go out at 3 o'clock in the morning and they come home late at 4 o'clock in a taxi or wherever they come from? And you haven't been worried a bit. You know, I, I can be in Holland in the place where I grew up as a little kid. Um, and there were, there were streets where you wouldn't walk. I know. And here, you walk every dark alley at 3 o'clock in the morning because you don't have to worry about a thing. This is what we come back to time and time again here. I mean, it's just occasionally it's worth sitting back and just remembering certain things, I think. You know, and that's very much your stuff in your designing Hong Kong uh, work. You want to you want to keep it that way, I guess. Well, even more so. You know, you get all the funny questions. Paul, why are you spending the time on all of this? And I go, well, why not? you know, so I made a decision to live here for the rest of my life. And, and, you know, I like to live in a nice house and I fix my house. I paint it. I like to live in a nice city. So I want to fix the things that I see that are that are necessarily wrong. We've got a great city. Uh, but you've got an odd city, too. You've yes, got a city where, you know, come on, we have a center of the city, which is a harbor. It's all a big pool of water instead of a town. You know, the town is built around this pool of water. We we got the the districts like Mong Kok, that they're the highest density in the world. Still? Yeah. We got, uh, you know, our road network is very short. We got more buses per kilometer road than any other city in the world. And yet we moan about them when they all queue up. But boy, oh boy, if it's raining and one of those buses comes along, you're happy to get on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Transport is fantastic here. And then, you know, we're concentrated on a small area where we have built up and we got these massive pieces of green, the country parks and white sand beaches and blue waters. Where in the world can you like, you know, be in the bank, be part of international finance, which you do with London and New York. And then you look at the sky and say, well, the clouds are moving in the right direction. And 15 minutes later, you're paragliding. Let me ask you what your answer is to something that comes up time and time again from the guys upstairs. They'll say, um, well, if you do X, Y and Z, the economy, people's livelihood will be affected. And we're talking about all sorts of stuff that's going to occupy central will affect people's livelihood. Now, put your political hat on for a second. Is that whitewash or do you think that they're just not putting it out there clearly enough? 
I don't think it's uh, Occupy Central is going to impact. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, these things are not going to impact uh, Hong Kong's uh, Hong Kong's economy. Hong Kong's economy is going to drum on, but Hong Kong's economy has the, the challenges are how you're going to fit into growing China in the future. What is your role? What's your new role? How are you going to adjust? And that comes then to your ability as a city to manage change, to adapt, to adapt yourself, and that is where we. Basically, have have a, have a, a real problem. The, uh, our senior management, you know, the CY and Carrie Lam and, and and the top secretaries, they're so busy with political reform and trying to get themselves fitting in with how to do business with the national government. They're so busy with that. In fact, have been busy with that since 1982 when we start talking about uh, reunification. Um, that they've kind of forgotten how to run the city. I mean, you know, just wake up in the morning. We just see why wake up on Monday morning, says the bus didn't work yesterday, let's fix it. I mean, that's what Michael Bloomberg would do. That's, you know, he would be uh, jangling and, and pushing everybody on, on, on the local mundane stuff. That's what he was in charge of. Boris, Boris in London. I mean, what does he work on? He works on his body cycling. Yeah. You know, so these guys are in with the city, working the city that they, people experience every day. They're not sidetracked by political and constitutional reform issues. Well, this is what people have said time and time again, all their interest in political and constitutional and macro building, it's infrastructure, da-da-da-da-da. Um, the, thing, the, the thing about being separated from what people are thinking, these are people too, they live in Hong Kong too, just because they have the job and the title, where does the wall come down and they stop thinking about Joe Chan, who can't feed himself or whatever? Well, it, it, I think in that sense you've got to you know, see why he has picked out those topics, uh, you know, the livelihood, and he's trying to, to work on it. I mean, but these are long words, Paul, reform, livelihood, they're very cold words, they don't mean an awful Oh, three thousand dollars for every person no, over word, sixty. Yeah, yeah, sh- the word itself. Is yeah, so sure. But I mean, look at look at this morning's newspaper. Three thousand dollars for every person over sixty-five. You know, as a universal pension scheme. I mean, livelihood issues are are being addressed. They are being discussed. I mean, we may or may not agree with exactly where everything is going, but uh, I I, th- I think that we are discussing it. We just don't have the focus on just a s- small uh you know the motivation when when the, when the guys go in front of tv cameras the ability to talk to the community about the local the local issues that be the things that people experience every day we, you know we, we're, we're busy all the time the discussion is is overridden by the political reforms constitutional reform issues and that is what is missing in this city i yeah. mean uh, you, as i said michael bloomberg to get re-elected, where he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have run for the, th- the third run. Uh, you know, he he basically took uh, cans uh, cans of paint and foldable chairs and foldable ch- uh, tables, and they started to wind in the footpaths and create piazzas just by painting it on the road, by marking the road with paint and putting foldable furniture up. And people liked it. He got re-elected. You know, and then all of that uh, you know stuff is now becoming reality. Interesting thing here. You're talking about these guys standing up in public. I mean, whenever I think in Hong Kong. Now, I don't know if you agree with me. But I think in Hong Kong, they're, they're p- petrified that a word will come out wrong, i.e. a misquote, this, that and the other. So we hear stuff like pragmatic. I mean, that pragmatic is the word that comes into every blinking news uh, press release, etc. What does it mean? What does it In this instance, what does it mean? Bloomberg puts his arms around New York and says, OK, guys, I care about you and I am going to be here for you. Yeah, and he can waffle and he can say the wrong thing and then he can correct himself. But then and, he gets his sleeves up. Yeah, say. exactly, because he's there all the time. And he can keep communicating all the time and people start believing what he says or they, they, they hear what they at least hear what he says. Yeah. Um, but see why you don't have that right now. You, you know, you don't... You know, but 
who, who do you have? They, they sit next to me in these meetings, like uh, the guy from the transport department, and then he flicks to page 13 to answer a question, and there is an LTT, a line to take, and he reads out the exact line to take. See, this is obvious to yeah. all of us. And that's, yeah, no, but and then you ask a question, and they don't yeah. have a, the next answer they don't have. Um, so, so that, and that's a problem. That's a problem with the way the city is run right now. And uh, it, the only way to get out of it is by, you know, maybe separating. I mean, maybe uh, you know, see why should look after all the political stuff instead of putting on a Carrie Lamb's desk. And Carrie Lamb should be the mayor of the city and run the city. So you would that about, work? You know, well, I mean, I, ideally it would work, but I think that CY wouldn't like that because then Carrie Lamb would get a lot of the TV time and media time uh, and then he won't be re-elected. So the, it kind of doesn't work within the system. But separating those two mega tasks, one running the city, one dealing with how are we going to work with Beijing? Beijing is in Hong Kong with the Beijing liaison office, which is part of our government. We don't know who works there. We don't know what they paid. We don't know what their titles are. We don't know what their mandates are. We don't know what their budgets are. Where in the world, in which city, um, would you not know mm. what the federal government is doing in, in New York? You know, who is working? What are their budget? What are their rules and procedures? Stay with the Hong Kong guys on this one. Do you think it's an abject fear of saying the wrong thing in public? Uh, you know, these. Pre- I mean, we play, we play news clips of people talking about consultations and this, that and the other. And if you listen really carefully, really carefully to the structure of the sentences and the power of the words, it's one step off gibberish. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 yeah, okay, but, but you just said it that yourself before. I mean, Hong Kong, we, you know, it's, I think, so different from any other places in the world. I think politicians around the world be, uh, we, you yeah, know, be, sure. be, be doing this LTTs and lines yes, takes in a way. Yeah, of course. You know, they, <laughs> they, 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 they do that. But are people especially... Sensitive. I think so. You know, right now there is not no sense of being out there and and being free to speak and and trying to put your arms around and and be uh, be a community leader. It's just human nature, isn't it? You want to if you if you put it down to the level of being a child. Huh? If you if you're scared or upset, you want your mum or dad to put their hand around you and say, "Don't worry, it's okay. We'll fix it." And in the, in the big picture, is is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and, and and having a sense that that's what's and that also that that's happening. I mean, people are are actually getting out there and doing it. I think you know if you look. If you see the communication skills, when Carrie Lamb speaks, he is the one probably within that whole team which can get closest to, uh, you know, being a being a human, being a mum, being you know, being a city leader, talking talking common sense and 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 talking local issues. She's the probably can reach out best. Uh, unfortunately, she's uh, she's the number two, and I don't think she will have the energy. She gets to the dirty work. One. She shouts. She gets the dirty work. They put like the political reform on her desk, and that was a real shame. Uh, they should have left it on somebody else's desk, so she could run the city. I'll tell you something. I've mentioned this to Vines before. That something that something that makes me real think that people are scared to put their best foot forward and actually say what they mean in these press conferences, these very lengthy, crafted speeches. Probably, it's always if you don't stop doing this, metaphorical finger being waved, the people of Hong Kong will pay, <laughs> and that's what you say to a kid. Yeah, well, the other one is always the balance of interests. We have to balance interests. You know, that's the old, always the the, uh, the 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 killer that they throw, the killjoy that they throw in. They never want to make a choice. What does it mean? Well, it means that means they can always find somebody that has a different opinion, and that they then have to balance interests. But they never have to prove what the the where, where the real cost benefit analysis is. You know, how many people are, are gaining and losing from from these decisions? They just make this general statements. You're talking about the proposed pension thing, the three grand a month thing for older people. And the the quote is uh, very complicated consultation da 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 and as Vines would say act now, but it's. 
complicated. So it's too complicated for you people to understand. Uh, do you not? Do you get that or not? No, it's. It, well, I'm not sure about how they uh, they want to play this this particular one. But in in, uh, in the, for the pension scheme, I just read it read it this morning that they want to take it out there. Um, for a while, they've been against they've been going against the idea of the pension scheme as being too expensive, um, the universal scheme, and now they're trying to uh, to step in on it. All right, Paul. I tell you, what, we're going to take a little break. Give mm. me ten more minutes after the news. It's All Morning right. Brew at RTHK HK. If you want to ask Paul any questions in in his other roles, really, we're just chewing things over this morning. Uh, he's Pockfulland District Council, and of course, the boss of Designing Hong Kong. Paul Zimmerman sitting in for Steve today. We talked before the break, Paul, about the things you know that you said Bloomberg might have done that involve man on the street issues. Well, that that's something you're involved with very much. Tell me a little bit about things like what's going on at Hoi Ha, and also when they talk about an environmental, uh, what's it called? Impact assessment. That's the one. And we've been talking recently about noise measurements going on around the airport, hmm. uh, particularly Gary's, Gary Stokes' stuff under the water. Oh, the underwater sound recorders that he had for the airport. Yeah, I mean, these things, are, these things, I said to him, I just don't think these things are in the book. And you referred to Mr. So-and-so hmm. talking an LTT just now. <laughs> stuff like that just doesn't seem to be in the book. What do you understand about environmental environmental impact studies well the, the environmental impact assessment for the airport it's really about mitigation so uh, you know you already want to go ahead with the project so you're not looking at is this project good for hong kong what are the costs and benefits of, of putting in the airport you know what the so what, you know what are the, the economic benefits what are the uh, and the costs what are the social costs and benefits of the environmental one and then look at a big picture and say do i really need a r big runway that's not what's happening here it's a decision by the project proponent to put in a third runway and now he has to do to, to show if I do that in this way, uh, you know, building an island out there attached to it in a particular location, what will be the environmental impacts and how can I as best possible mitigate them? And that, that's, the, well, that's what the report is all about. And that's being currently being discussed within and the uh, Advisory Council on the Environment. Um, and, the, and the key issues really is uh, the loss of marine habitat. So uh, the impact oh, on but dolphins. they'll come back. Hell, they will. We don't know this, do we? No, and that's 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 a real error in that report, and I and I and they're getting a lot of flag from the environmental. But why uh, write it? Why publish if you haven't got the brains to ask an expert? Well, no, they have hired experts, and so they got these guys in from the states, and uh, there are some cases that they quote and showing in other places where there has been, you know, construction, and later on, uh, you know, life cut back, and so there is, but there is no, 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 no we don't know whether they will they will come back to this particular Different. area country different climate different time zone exactly there is absolutely no guarantee but then and then what they also failed to do is actually put in making sure that while the construction takes place can you create like an exclusion zone where you know the kind of the animals can go um, and it could be done you can have you know around the socos and in the southwest of Lantau, you can have a zone and the marine reserve where these ships and nothing else can enter um, so there's no fishing no ships entering no high-speed ferries coming through it and then dolphins will find their way and then they have a place they can stay safe and that kind of, that kind of would have been a reasonably easy solution but but that's not immediately within the airport's domain so they didn't propose it anyway that battle is on right now the other battle i think that where the impact assessment goes wrong is when they talk about noise they, they in an impact assessment like that they take an average noise and they put on a circle out and say within this circle close to the airport you've got a lot of noise on average and outside that not so all of those villages on north Lantau that are within the circle they'll get compensation double glazing mitigation um 
but it doesn't show that in Marwan, in Qingyi, uh, Gold Coast, and all of these places, people are going to be suffering at times, you know, depending on the wind direction, massive noise, like well above 65 decibels during the night. What are you going to do with these people? And that that's only going to go uh, increase. Uh, Gold Coast, two moon guys are going to suffer noise that they haven't had before. So that circle is basically a statistical exercise. I mean, sound yes. waves travel, and boy, do they travel when the wind is in the right direction. Exactly. So, and, and we have those reports. We have from government reports that do no, do noise monitoring of the actual events. So they, in, in the environment impact assessment, they do a forecasted uh, averaging, but they don't show what the actual suffering is that people have. And in, in the UK, you have uh, you know people, there is compensation measures, uh, there are penalty systems. So if the noise goes outside the circle over a certain level, uh, those aircrafts and those operators and the airports will get fined. That sounds very reasonable. Exactly. So, but that system is not in place here. So I think that one is to be... And, and the other one is, uh, you know, the, the point has been made by the Friends of the Earth. The amount of air, additional air pollution this is going to bring into town. Do we have the capacity for that? Are we going to lose air, air emissions from other activities? Are we going to, like, go all electric without transport? Um, and therefore, we have the capacity to have additional air pollution from airplanes. And that hasn't been sorted out. And, and the, uh, the Friends of the Earth point out, basically, that will go well beyond our capacity. Could all this stuff actually close down this operation, or is it a fait accompli? Um, it's a very technical process, and the government you know, has been warned by previous uh, judicial reviews that people did against the Hong Kong Macau, who had bridge in other cases, to be extremely careful in how they go through and make, take the steps. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm afraid that uh, they, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be very careful to make sure that, that all the, all the, all the uh, eyes on the dots and uh, all the dots on the eyes and, the, um, and that um, this is going to be a done deal. Whether we can make some improvements uh, along the way, get a better protection for marine, get better Composition for noise, uh, get some further reduction in in, uh, in air emissions. Uh, that, that's what I hope can come out of the process. Once again, I can only ask your personal opinion on mm. this. The idea of having another runway, does that sit okay with you in, in principle? Well, in principle, and I've, I've said it from the beginning, I think the timing, it's, it's too early, we don't need it now. But if you look at the long run, uh, we've got 100 million people in the Pill River Delta. Um, you, you're going to need, if you look at Europe and the States, how many runways you have for 100 million people, and you look at how many runways we've got today in the Pill River Delta, we have to build a bloody a lot of runways still <laughs> in the Pill River Delta as economy grows and people will go continue to improve livelihood. Um, and then on the other side, in Hong Kong, we actually only have one and a half runway. We built the runway. We, you know, I'm not sure whether you remember. Right after we opened the airport, it was a China Airlines flight that went upside down. We've, we, at that time, figured out that having the airport so close behind uh, Lantau Island's uh, mountain ridge, we're in the she- we're in sheer winds. We have, we have these really wind, weird wind conditions at certain wind directions, um, and uh, that have toppled an airplane coming in on a landing. The China Airlines flight. See, once again, that sounds like an O-level science project. Uh, well, yeah, it probably was, it should have been at that time. They then improved all the, uh, the the wind measurements and put a lot more electronic gear in to have pre-warnings. But in fact. The, the usability of the south runway is very uh, is there is there is a problem there the, the runway that's closest to uh, right so to in principle the idea we only have one half runway is practical so we we'll need yeah so I guess uh, the third runway ultimately is going to be something that we're going to need uh, but um, you know can we handle the environmental impact uh, do we need it as early no there's no rush and it's actually the second and a half runway and we and, that, and then see that's news to me well done on that <laughs> we second and a half runway yeah let's move up the road a little bit something that you care about is the stuff that's going on at Hoi Ha it might sound like a little speck in the ocean but it it 
helps. Um, it represents a lot more. So the, the country, we cut, you've got these beautiful country parks, about 40% of Hong Kong's uh, you know, like territory is, 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 is basically protected areas. Yeah, right. uh, and, and those country parks are now under threat because when we, um, when we uh, set up the country parks in 1977, the government was trying to rush it through in about three years. Right. And there was, a, there was a places where people were still farming. So what they did, they put a circle around those uh, places where the people circle. were still farming. The, the famous circles in Hoya is one of them. Uh, and they were called the enclave. And so they're outside the country park ordinance. So they're not, they're not, they don't benefit from country park management patrols. Uh, are are or, we talking about just a line in a street or something? something no, no, is, a, line, a, line, a line in the bush, basically. Okay. So it's a, and, uh, and, and yeah, there was a certain distance from the houses that, or, the, or the private fields that was uh, taken as, as the boundary. And they, they were left unprotected. And, it was re- and they realized during the 90s that there was a problem. And now slowly, these people that were farming, they passed away and these, these yeah. villages were abandoned. Um, but in, you know, like mid you know, 2005 to 2010, suddenly there was a lot of wealthy people started buying up a lot of these places uh, because, uh, you know, why, why buy a beach resort in Phuket if you can have one in Saigon? That's right on the edge of the country <laughs> park. To all intents and purposes, it is the country park. Well, it is. It is and all the, that's the whole point. It's right in the middle of the country park. So this land is being picked up. People start developing houses there. And, uh, you know, then the houses will attract roads and traffic and so on. Uh, and, and there is also no, no control over the sewage systems. I mean, the sewage systems that are permitted under the small house policy are ramshackle a septic tank leaking you know sewage basically effluent water straight into the underground and a lot of this these areas that have been left the farmland where the lowlands where the wetlands well how are you going to leak effluent water into into lowland where you have a high water table you know you can imagine what that does so that's the thin end of the wedge basically explain to us what the big issue is up here see you're making it very clear this morning the whole thing about they're right on the edge the enclaves and stuff once again we read this in the newspapers but it's kind of fiddly to really understand okay well there's uh, we got about 54 of those enclaves and the whole discussion is how much how many houses are we going to allow to be built in those enclaves is it the three that's story the, jobs that they it's the, yeah it's the small house policy that's it's it's the stinking small house policy that yeah. uh, you know the, the bad one that, that Hong Kong suffers everywhere in the new territories and we can see the, the crap that's being built and they they're got, not built know, well they're not built well and they're exempted for for everything they don't have road access so people build illegal roads they don't have parking spaces people building illegal parking spaces you know they don't they're not connected to the sewers so they have their own sewage system I mean it's it's uh, it's it's a poor job and you know we already have it in Pat Hong and Yin Long and wherever we have it do we also need it in Hoi Ha do we need it in Pak Tam uh, Ao? Do we need it in uh, in um, in uh, Solopun in Plover Cove? Or do we need it in those areas that are kind of that are surrounded by our country parks? I don't think so. So we really got to have the government to reduce the, the, the what they can build. But somehow they've done a deal with Hang Cook. They need lots of help from the Hang Cook in the northern in the new territories with the new town developments. Um, and it seems that they appease for and as an appeasement, they'll give them some more development rights in those enclaves. And uh, we're pretty unhappy with that. The thing that the thing I know there are things like a lot of the people uh, in these families, people they will say, well, they don't live in Hong Kong, this, that, and the other. They live in Bradford or wherever. But essentially, I just don't understand the mentality of somebody essentially doing that thing in their own nest. Which it strikes me that that's what's happening a lot. You are Hong Kongers. Well, it's not really so. I mean, if you go to Plovakov, and it was funny, I went on a side visit the other day there, and we, we met three people on, on a, on a two-hour walk. Yeah. All three had a very strong English accent, <laughs> and they're all kind of kids that came back mm. and checked out the family property. 
and all hoping that one day it would give them a, a, a good amount of money. They were not interested in the village. They, yeah, they had an interest because it was a, there was a legacy there. You know, grandma used to live there or something like that. Fair enough. But here was, you know, the one lady was a nurse in London. The other was, you know, the, the other one was running a restaurant in, in, in another place in England. And, the other, and he had also worked in Holland, he told me. Um, and, and one of them was a photographer and he actually came back and he, and he was now staying in, in an old house in, in, in that village. But they all had the same background. They don't, their parents were poor. I mean, they, they left the new territories in the 70s. People were poor in the new territories. Mm. They left and they'd gone to work in Europe. They, and they don't have a lot of money. So they have this whole thing. It's like, Dad owns a house and See, a you piece of land the in way Hong Kong. It, you, you, <laughs> you know, this comes up again and again. It's the whole thing about, well, these guys don't live here. You've just said so-and-so comes from London and this, that, and the other. It's almost like we use this. I... I no opinion here. We use this to penalise people. You can't help if you've got a northern accent. Actually, you do deserve some flack if you've got a northern English accent, but that's a different issue. <laughs> but you, you can't penalise people just because they choose to live somewhere else, but they actually belong in these villages. But that is the weapon that's used a lot. Yeah, just, exactly. It's, you know, because under the small house policy, you're supposed to be the village here, and the, it's about the need indigenous. of the, the indigenous sons to be able to live. Because that was the, it was a welfare policy. It was giving an opportunity to very poor people in the new territories at those days, an opportunity for building a house for their sons. So because you know, then at least they had some place to live because they couldn't yeah. afford properties either. They could, but they could afford maybe building a, a small house on on a piece of agricultural land that wasn't worth a lot of money. So. It was a welfare policy in those days, but now it's just being abused uh, as, a, as a development policy. Just people trying to get some money. It's out being of it. abused. It is. It's completely being used, and everybody knows it. But the government doesn't want to stop it because if you stop it, then suddenly everybody who's every every son of an indigenous villager born anywhere, even if they're only th- three days old, will suddenly have a claim and compensation and say, well. Uh, or under that policy, I have a right by the time I'm 18 to have that house. Can I have a check, please, if you're going to stop the policy? I'm glad you said check, because that's the situation they're in, as in check, checkmate. It seems like nobody can move on this one because it would be like a house of cards. Well, so the problem then is the government has decided rather than ending the policy to just say, well, we are only allowing it within those pieces of lands that are the village environs and the enclaves and outside the way we don't allow the small houses to be built. Yeah. So we're going to and then we're going to let people build as much as they can and as, as they want within those little environments. But those little environments are going to be very poor living environments. I'm on my way after the show to Ho Chung, yeah. which is one of those small house policy uh, you know, you can see it right there. Um, you know, one of the developers he is close off a road because it runs over one of his uh, one of the private lands that he wants to build on. But that's the main road, the main emergency vehicle access for the entire village. All right, let's just go a bit closer on this one. Mm. He is doing what he's legally allowed to do. I mean, it's daft, yes, but you've just said there's a line, and his stuff is on one side of it, right? So then he says, "Well, I, you know, I'm doing nothing wrong." Closed from yeah. my side. That's that's right. So what the government has failed to do is this: when they did the small house policy, uh, they they failed to realise that you allow people to build basically on paddy fields. So the location of the houses is based on the original location of the paddy fields. But that's kind of a very organic zigzag kind of. So if you allow every paddy field to be built at a house, then in the end, what you're going to be left with is is a conglomerate of houses without roads, without proper access, ventilation. Well, well, ventilation, well, noise, the proximity between buildings. I mean, you're basically ending up with very ramshackle living environments that look more like the old Kowloon city 
put down as a flat pancake. Uh, you know, some people are kind of saying, well, Kamloops City, we have good memories of that, but I think it's, it, was a, it was a hygiene problem and safety problem. Uh, two years ago, uh, two kids died in a fire. Yes, I know. Um, the, the emergency vehicle was standing outside, couldn't get. What was wrong about that? And you couldn't get in time to the house to get these kids out of there. So these kids, they, they passed away, uh, smoke inhalation. And so um, it is not it's, – it's, it's a real safety issue that we are – I'm surprised you're still – sorry, Paul. I'm surprised you're still talking about this when you've just completely dropped the shell there. You said two kids died because the emergency guys couldn't get there. Hmm. Surely that was the time to say, no, enough of this. Human lives are far more yeah. important than your – Stuff. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that the only thing that has come out of that now is that the ombudsman is doing an investigation of fire safety in villages right now. But you know, all these things they uh, they'll, they'll start to count up. But but I think the the problems are if you look at Ho Chung, you you got two Facebook sites there for the, the residents that live there. You can go through it. I mean, the problems that people have with damaged cars, uh, fights over parking, people being woken Business up right by whose whose dog was there barking last night. I mean. The, the problems that they have in these villages are massive and the social disorder, you know, where, where the, the local guys can say, you want to park here, you pay $500 or I think it's $800 now, you know, to make sure that your car won't get damaged. I mean, the social disorder that is the result of the small house policy is enormous. And every time a new house is being added, the problem increases and government is just not stepping up to it. It's one of those creeping problems um, and the government doesn't want to recognize that there is a real problem ahead of us. Well, thanks for filling us in, Paul. I mean, this is a much bigger problem than I think a lot of people understand. I'm just thinking once again about that dreadful situation of the fire. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be sensible for them to have said, this opens now and that's that? It can't happen again. Yeah, but then the fire, yeah, I, 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 would, I would say, you know, you and I would say so. Uh, but the government then has to do with the reality that uh, they've made commitments to the Hangi Cook. They've had previous discussions about fire safety. They have allowed certain situations to develop. They, had, uh, they are the ones that have given approval for the houses to be built so there. So it's, it's cool. It's cool to carry on despite the regulations, even when these people have blood on their hands. Mm. Let's leave it, Paul. Thanks very yeah, much for coming to chat.